Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy of the Edmonton Journal. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. You forgot I to forgot introduce that. yourself. Yeah, Welcome. it's one of those nights. Nothing's going right for anyone in Edmonton, <laughs> no, Bruce. No, it's not. No, it's not. We're all screwed. No. Oh, man. At least I covered you off, which is more than some of the orders did for other orders tonight. Ain't that the oh, truth? Whew, would have been nice to see that, wouldn't it? Just something, something go right. Yeah. There was a lot, you know, if in some ways they're two relatively close games that they've played against the Toronto Maple Leafs somewhat, but it's just like the Leafs are just out hustling them, out working them at every turn, and out chancing them. Again, it was tonight the grade A chances were 11 8 for the Leafs, which isn't a huge margin, but it is, that's significant. That's one goal. That's one goal. Now that was a three-goal difference. The orders lost three-nothing. But again, we're seeing, you know. Anyway, let's just do our podcasting. And I, I want yeah. to watch this on TV. Uh, I, I, I was just telling you, I've been watching the show The Expanse on Amazon. And if and if you're looking for something to pick up your spirits after this, uh, after you listen to the podcast tonight, as some of you guys do late at night, well, just watch The Expanse. Fantastic sci-fi show. Bruce, this is our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast. And because we're so disheartened by the orders lost, we will only have two bad things each rather than our usual four after a bad loss because we're just kind of disheartened. One, one good thing each instead of two? Well, we usually, have, after a loss, we usually have two bad things each. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're just going to two bad you. things. Yeah. Instead of four because we're just kind of, we don't want to belabor it. Or something. Okay, what's your good thing? Yeah, uh, I'm going to credit um, Dujar Kara from the Oilers. Uh, I'm just uh, liking his game, and I'm liking it. Uh, I'm liking it a lot this last while. And he, uh, um, pawn off. Another good thing. <laughs> he, he uh, uh, I just, I love the way he's skating. I like the way he's getting involved with the hitting. Um, the way he transports the puck now, he's, he's just playing with so much more confidence. Uh, and his diving wraparound, the net tonight was uh, one of Edmonton's very best chances. And just from a pure hustle play on on his part, uh, he was three out of seven on the dot tonight, but he's been winning more than he's been losing for the last number of games. And he's... Uh, Looking more comfortable as a center than as a winger. I always thought his future was as a winger, but uh, once again, I was wrong. Uh, he now looks uh, very comfortable in the pivot role and, and uh, playing in the middle of the ice and uh, doing those big body things that big body centers do. Um, uh, I've got uh, nothing really, really bad. I, I think he might have got beat on one play tonight, but I, I, I thought he was, uh, uh, I thought he was strong. I, I agree, Bruce. And I would say that if, if four years ago when he was in the HL and dominating, if you had if you had asked me, what's kind of his upper end as an NHL player? What do you hope that he could become? And he is now it, Bruce. He is now, and he's been that way. He's been this player for a full month. Now, Jujar Kara has gone through other very good spells in his career as an Edmonton Oilers, which have lasted for a month or two. So this doesn't mean we're out of the woods with this player because he he does seem to um, lose his confidence. I think is the best mm -hmm. way to put it. From I, you know I'm not inside his head. I'm just guessing. But it looks to me like he loses his confidence, becomes tentative with the puck, and starts to make turnovers. 
he's just really confident with the puck right now, and he's hustling like hell, and he's playing his position very well. Um, there was the one chance where I thought he got a little too high up and he allowed, uh, I think it was Justin Hall, if I'm not mistaken, to move in and get a, a scoring chance shot, he and Ennis. But other than that, he was just super solid defensively. Defensively, he, you know, the nitty gritty dirt line was the best line on the Oilers tonight on a night when, when the, when none of the lines were, were that great. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jujar Kara, he, he's not out of the woods, as I say, but he's getting there. Um, he's getting there, Bruce, and it's and it's fantastic to see. We had a poll. I had a poll today, actually, asking fans what they thought the need was for the playoffs. And uh, let me just see if I can find the results here, because um, one of the questions was was for third line center, and um, not many people voted for that, actually. So that was a that was a vote of confidence for. Uh, okay, here here's the poll. What is the Oilers' top priority at the coming trade deadline? We've had 1,600 people vote so far. So the first pick is a top goalie, 47%. That's not that vote isn't going to change after tonight, I don't think. The second vote, the second is a top attacking winger, 21%. That actually might go up after tonight. Um, a third line center, 16%, and uh, no major trade needed, 16%. So. There's a small minority of fans who who see a hole at the center position, and I know Gaetan Haas is getting picked on a bit because of his face-offs, but like quite honestly, Bruce, face-offs are are an overrated aspect of the game, especially at even strength. And um, Haas is fine at at even strength as a center. I I, I really do not want to see Kyle Turris come back and replace him, and I certainly don't want to see Turris replace Jujar Kara because he is playing well. My good thing, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have, unless you have something to add, do you have oh, thought? Oh, or? My good thing is, that just I, this was a real wake-up call for the Edmonton Oilers, I think, and frankly for us fans. Uh, but, you know, we're not on the ice. Everyone, I think, was hoping secretly that Edmonton was going to win at least two out of three here and maybe somehow get three out of three because the Oilers have been going so strongly, uh, what was it, 11 wins in 13 games, and playing very well. Although in the last few games, the scoring chances were evening up. And um, in the first four games this year against Toronto, I thought Edmonton was the better team most uh, four of the games, in all four of them. Um, they only won two, but I thought actually Edmonton had a slight edge or, or a bigger edge in play in all four of those games. But what we hmm. see is the Toronto Maple Leafs have raised their game considerably since then. And, and the Oilers, um, either in a, or in a lull, a bit of a lull here, we'll just write it off at that, but... They are not at the same level as the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Toronto's outworking them and outskilling them and outgoaltending them at every turn here. And uh, this is a real, uh, it's its good that this is happening right now. The Oilers are in a good position. They can, they've taken a few losses, but they're still in a solid position in terms of making the playoffs. But if they're going to do anything in the playoffs, they're going to have to get by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So they're going to have to, there's a huge target right now in their heads, there has to be on how do we beat the Toronto Maple Leafs? And every player has got to be asking themselves that and thinking hard about how they're going to do it because they're not close right now. Uh, Toronto's clearly the better team. So that's a good thing that it's happening now rather than uh, in the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm sticking time to Time for a wake-up call. That's a good thing. They're certainly getting the wake-up call. If it was time for one, then they're, they're certainly getting it. Yeah, I think it's 
says something about their work ethic, Bruce. That's what I would say is they're being outworked. Toronto, I mean, they've come in, they've given a whale of, an, a whale of two efforts. And we have to remember this is Toronto uh, with their number two and then their number three goalie, their number two goalie, Patrick Roy, and their number three goalie, Dominic Hasek, from, based on all evidence from the last uh, two games. Or maybe it's just that the Oilers are having trouble finishing right now. We'll get to that in a minute. But also without their top player, Austin Matthews. And but Austin Matthews has the same number of points in this series as all of the orders combined. So, you know, <laughs> that would have been a state good of affairs when you put it like that. But uh, uh, <laughs> they don't seem to miss him. Like I think this series actually hurts Matthews' case for MVP. Hey, maybe that should be my good thing. <laughs> that would be a good thing. It's not helping McDavid's case, though, Bruce, at all, either. Because <laughs> Toronto doesn't appear to miss him. Man, they just chucked the crap out of the Oilers again. That, you know, I think this game was, well, both games were the same in that the Oilers played well in the first few minutes, and then Toronto got a goal, and it was like sticking a big pin in the balloon. And then they got another goal right away both nights. Tonight they even got a third goal before the end of the first period. So two first periods was 5 nothing. And basically, two second periods and two third periods are all garbage time because the games were over. So it's uh, very, very, very frustrating to watch. But the time just wound down on this game, and you know, it was was just tick, 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 and there was uh, very little in the way of things to raise an Oilers fan's spirits as the time went down. No, Toronto got stronger as the third period went on, and and the Oilers. Uh... You know, they gave up a real stinker of a, of a chance against, which I'm going to get to here shortly. And they finally blew their tops in the last minute. Smith uh, Smith started. I didn't actually mind him sort of. I thought it was good. Yeah. Uh, he got then, he got run there. Should have been a penalty. Yeah. I, that's been called a penalty. Who, which oiler got a penalty recently? Josh Archibald got one for getting tossed play. into the goalie by six foot eight Tyler Myers. Um Mm-hmm. Anyway, it wouldn't matter. It didn't matter at that point. Anyway. But then there was another scrum at the next whistle, and then at the final whistle, uh, which this might be my bad thing if I'd seen a replay, but I haven't. But at the 20-minute mark, Alex Chason took a five-minute major in a game misconduct for cross-checking. So we'll see what comes of that. But uh, the Oilers finally, their frustration bubbled over in that very last bit of play. So... What's your bad thing, Bruce? Uh, just that general lack of finish. I mean, two games and zero goals on like, what is it, 60 shots? can't yeah. remember exactly how many they had on Saturday. They had 31 tonight. Couldn't solve Michael Hutchison, who entered the season as Toronto's number four goaltender. I uh, got promoted to number three when Aaron Dell got hurt, and then to number two when... Uh, uh, the uh, other buddy got hurt, uh, Campbell, and then uh, Anderson got hurt, and then Campbell got re-hurt, and now he's the number one. We'll probably see Hutchison again on Wednesday, and why not? You know, seems like they could put Gumper the goalie out there at this point and shut out the Oilers. Well, maybe so. they'll go first with uh, Joseph Wall. Yeah, maybe number sixty, who was on the bench for them. Is he? Yeah, who no, is that's he? True. He's their number eight goalie. Like the, you know, they got two. Their top two goalies are on the shelf, and they still shut out the orders. Like that's just a sad state of affairs. Uh-huh. And you already got shut out the previous game. 
get a freaking play going, make a play and finish the damn play. I mean, at least they they hit the net, generally speaking. But you know, hit the goalie. They hit the goalie like Dominic Dominic Cahoon had three really good chances, like two five alarm chances, right? And he gets that brilliant pass from Drysaddle after some great hustle by Kadri Yamamoto, who was hustling all night long and could have been my good thing if I think of like that would be another good thing. I thought he was hustling hard. Um, but Cahoon couldn't bury it. And then he, on a point shot, uh, early in the third period, Larson puts it on net after some really hard work by Pugliarvi and Dreisaitl winning the puck. Cahoon gets another great chance. And that was a more of a bang-bang play that maybe you'll score on, maybe you're not. But that first one, man, just drain that shot, score that goal, because that's what has to happen. Nuge, early in the third period, uh, gets a chance. And, you know, he just takes a bit of time and gets an okay shot, doesn't doesn't score on that. That was another five-alarm chance where you just need a goal and the orders uh, were unable to get it. McDavid had a breakaway, I think, where he didn't was unable to I mean, score. So yeah. they had five really, really good chances. They could have easily had two goals in this game, at least. Well, two goals would have is about what they earned, but they just they got nothing because they couldn't drain them. Bruce, my bad thing is the pairing of Evan Bouchard and Ethan Bear. This is a an example of watch what you wish for. Every, every Oilers, well, not every, most Oilers fans were ecstatic, including myself, that Evan Bouchard and Bear uh, would be in the lineup and Chris Russell would sit. But it was a, perhaps a lot to ask Evan Bouchard to play the wrong side of the ice, in the defensive end at least. In the offensive end, he had a number of really good sequences. A number of sequences... Uh, which make you think, I hope he doesn't come out. I, I hope they can find a way to, to keep this guy in the game. But there was a couple, there was a really bad sequence on um, Toronto's first goal. And um, it, it starts off with Leon Dreisaitl defending and kind of cutting, blocking the middle of the ice. And Bouchard gets a stick out there and Dreisaitl's skate catches Bouchard's stick. And Evan Bouchard seems to be holding his stick very lightly at that point because it knocks it out of, out of his hand. Okay, you lose your stick in the defensive zone, but everybody's back. You just have to take your man. But he he hesitated for a moment. He went for his stick, and he let his man get in behind him. And that was Zach Hyman getting the pass for a goal. And uh, I half expected that Tippett would bench Bouchard for the rest of the game after that play. Such was the the egregiousness of the air, a rookie air. But to the, to the coach's credit, he, he, went, he went right back at him. But a moment later, Bruce, we have Nylander's goal. And mm-hmm. um, it was just a horrendous offensive or neutral zone face-off where both Yamamoto loses a battle and Cahoon loses Nylander. The, the two little wingers getting outskated and overpowered on that face-off. And it was, that was, that was as bad as anything. But then Ethan Bear makes a bad read, so he's out of position. And Bouchard is, Nylander's a very fast player. Bouchard tries to hunt him down and, and, and is unable to before Nylander uh, gets a, a, a backhand shot, which is kind of a borderline A-B chance. It was from far enough out that it's a B chance, but it's a hell of a shot because he picks the corner. a wicked shot. But on those two, two goals against um, Bouchard, uh, was the he wasn't the main culprit I don't think on the the second goal but he was the main culprit on the first goal. Then Bear I didn't see a lot out of Bear Bruce honestly like um, again they had some good offensive t- they had some good zone time on the offensive end and you're going to get to that 
But there was a chance in the third where I think, I can't remember who walked in, but Tavares came over the blue line. And McDavid's back check on Tavares was just so anemic. And then um, he passes it to Morgan Riley, who's on Bear's side of the ice. Bear is missing in action. He's he's drawn to the puck carrier. Like Nurse and McDavid should have that guy, and Bear should be looking to cover Morgan Riley steaming in. And Mor- Morgan Riley goes in on a breakaway chance, which Mike uh, Smith stopped. Although it may have hit the post, I'm not sure. Like I thought, I hit a. I thought I heard a rather large clank sound. Yeah. There. I'm not sure if it was. Well, you'll have to check that. I'll watch for anyway, that. Anyway, yeah, so I that was through the game. They they just you can't have those kind of major major five alarm chances having happening when you're on the ice, uh, especially when you when you can't necessarily always count on your goaltending. Yeah, well, it was Bear and Nurse that time, not Bear and, and Boucher. That was that was Bear and Nurse. You're right. That time. So and Nurse was Nurse was a little too far back on that play too. Like he was gave up too much space to uh, the attacker. Bruce, your number. Yeah, my numbers. I, I got a set of numbers, and they're weird. Uh, Nineteen and three, which is the shots attempts for the Oilers and against the Oilers during Evan Bouchard's eleven minutes on the ice tonight. Nineteen tries by the Oilers, three by Toronto. Shots on net during that time, ten to two. Ten for the Oilers, two for the Leafs. Total domination, right? Goals no. four with Bouchard on the ice. Zero four, two against. So Toronto scored on two of their three shot attempts, and then Edmonton scored on zero of their 19. I wonder what the X goals <sighs> for would be on. You know, this is expected goals based on the quality of the shots. I wonder what the, yeah, that would yeah. be if Bouchard was on well, the ice. Well, for Bouchard, it says 0. 0.35 0. 0.17 against. So basically a two-to-one ratio, low numbers for... The expected result really is zero to zero, but it sure isn't zero to two. Holy moly. Let's see, uh, 75. Like just a weird, uh, I mean, and, and as you say, I mean, he was not without responsibility on those two goals against, but the general flow of play was almost all in Edmonton's favor. And by the way, um, Coach Tippett did bench Bouchard for the last half of the first period. After that second goal, he never saw the ice again. Until oh, the uh, second period. Okay, I missed. And, I missed that. And Bear only saw it for the one penalty kill, and he got burned for the, his unit got burned for a goal against. So he was on for all three goals against in the first period. So not a not a glorious night. No, so they didn't. Neither of them contributed to one great a chance. That said, there there was some really great moments with Bouchard uh, commanding the puck at the point and getting off shots and and making plays and. Matt, I think if you want to win the cup, you go for it. You, you don't, you don't bench this player. Like I think you go the full Glenn Sather, and you always want to go full Glenn Sather, Bruce, with with your with your players, if you want them to be confident attackers and Stanley Cup winning players. And, and the the typical NHL coach benches the guy, doesn't play in the next game, you know, bad things start to happen. Glenn Sather says, get out there, buddy, and do what you do best. And so that's what I that's what I would hope is the Oilers' approach with Evan Bouchard right now. Um, he is an outstanding offensive defenseman. We and the Corsi numbers tonight demonstrate that. I think rather well. There are and we've all known there's going to be some huge defensive gaps gaffes, and right. maybe playing a rookie on his offside is 
uh, could that possibly be related to it? You know, why can't Ethan Bear play the other side? He's a much more experienced professional player. Um, so I didn't really get that. But uh, yeah, the Oilers have a tough choice to make in terms of what they're going to do with Bouchard or Bear. Uh, to me, Bear hasn't shown a lot uh, since, like, well, all year, honestly, and since he got back in the lineup. He's been he's had a he's been struggling more this year, so um, they're not going to sit Larson. Um, no, nope. nor do I think they should. And um, they're not. I have my doubts Carter. about Barry sometimes. Man, he has some weak defensive moments. He does some, some weird defense uh, decision making and just soft on the battles. You know, he, he's he's easily out muscled or overpowered. And tonight there was one on the penalty kill where. A pass went astray and went past him, and he was the closest guy to the puck if he went for it. And he decided to back off and give Toronto a full two-on-one, half the ice in. That was kind of weird. As for Bouchard, I mean, being on the wrong side, we saw one advantage of that lineup tonight when uh, Drew Jarkera again set him up with a cross-ice fast pass, and Bouchard absolutely blasted a one-timer. It was from outside our grade A area. But it was a rocket, and it was right on the corner of the net. It was a very good save by Hutchinson, despite the distance, because it was a one-time blast that was very well placed. But uh, uh, that was, uh, uh, you know, that that's the upside of this guy, is he really does have a great shot, and uh, we know he's a good distributor of the puck, and it's just a matter of managing his situations, that he's not out there against William Nylander, uh, trying to play left defense against uh, uh, a, a, a nifty dangler, right shoot, right shooting dangler coming down against them, right? And that was down Bear's side of the ice, frankly. Like, you yeah, well, know. that's uh, yeah, the Neva. Like, where's Ethan Bear was... on that play, honestly? Like, really, you know, Bouchard's obvious. Oh, he's Bouchard's, slow, but where's Ethan Bear? He just made the he made a bad read in the neutral zone, mm-hmm. and he's caught flat-footed. Yeah, he was so, play got behind him altogether. Yeah. All right. Um, Dave, your number. Two. And this is kind of burying the lead. We probably should have started with this, but you're never going to win a game when uh, the other, you're rarely going to win a game when the other team starts with two shots and they're both goals against. And the first one was a very tough play. It was a play into the slot by Hyman. The second one by Nylander, uh, I, I do think he should have had it. We, we we rated it as a B chance in the end because it came from far out. But the it's not like, it's just the, the totality of uh, five grade A chances in the first period for the Leafs and three goals against. And we've been saying this all year with Koskinen. It's not like any one goal necessarily is horrible. Like the third goal went on off Nurse, right? That's not Koskinen's yeah. fault. But you've got to make a save. You've got to be in the way. You've got to block some shots. So, you know, there might be some people defending him right side. Well, you know, none of these goals were, were hor- too horrible and one goes in off nurse and why are you blaming the goalie? But no, in the NHL, an NHL goalie makes stops three out of four grade-A chances. Three out of four. And Koskinen in too many games has let in uh, three out of four. It's happened th- probably four or five times this year where that's been his ratio. And he's got to do better. Well, I was thinking it was time that he went net and that Smith needed a night off so Koskinen gets a real fail for 
uh, a, you know, getting beat for the three goals, and B, not even giving Smith the night off because you know now Smith, they got no choice but to come back with Smith on Wednesday, and now he'll have played what five games in a row, thirty-eight year old. Yeah, and I've seen a couple times where we've heard that during the during the TV timeout he was stretching and stuff, and whether he's nursing something, I mean, there's no uh, way to know. But uh, uh, you know, it just makes you a little bit concerned. Uh, that said. Uh, since Smith returned to the lineup, uh, Mikko has got a 9.27 save percentage. You know, even including tonight. Really? Where he gave in three on ten. Yeah. Well, he made 40 saves in Ottawa, and he made 43 saves against uh, Calgary. Both times, Dave Tippett rewarded him by benching him for over a week before he, his next he prob- start. Yeah, he so, probably should have played that first game against the Leafs. I mean. Really, that that might have been the moment. The Vancouver games, but anyway, it was. Uh, it is what it is. I mean, uh, Tippett's obviously tied. Is uh, uh, you know he's going with Smith. I'm sure the puck handling is a big part of it. He likes the way Smith organizes defense and gets them the puck in safer positions, and then you know pursuing it behind to the end wall with an opponent hot on their heels. And he clearly values that, and he's not wrong. I mean, it does have value, and. When it comes to stop, I mean, last year we had a similar thing where Koskinen was actually the way better stopper, but Smith had the as good or slightly better record uh, because there are other aspects to his game, and some thought it was just because luck of the draw a little bit. He got more goal support, but uh, anyway, this year it's uh, uh, it's clear that Tippett's. Uh, I mean, when Smith gave up three in the first period in Vancouver, he didn't get pulled, right? But tonight, Koskinen was not afforded that luxury of playing his way out of it. And I'll give Smith all kinds of credit. He came in and he was strong in the last two periods. He played good. He he really did. And he's looked good uh, almost every game this year. Yeah. There was an excellent segment today on Jason Greger's show with uh, Kevin Woodley, the goaltending expert, mm-hmm. which he certainly is. And he talked about Smith and, and uh, all the work that he did this summer working on uh, some core body issues and, and some technique issues that k- keeps him from falling forward on his belly, right? You remember how many belly flops on he breakaways. did last year? Yeah. And he's still doing a little bit on breakaways, Whitley said, but uh, and, uh, just in regular play, he said last year there was lots of times where he was on his belly and he really didn't need to be. And then what the hell can you do once you're down there? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that was Ben Scrivens. Remember they used to call him the bear rug? Laying on the ice, looking up at <laughs> <laughs> That's what the Anaheim Ducks call a nickname for Ben Scriven. I didn't know that. Bear rug. That's, very gener- anyway. That's a very generous name for it. Yeah, 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 not really. Anyway, it was uh, it was um, something that was an identified weakness in Smith, and to his credit, 38 years old, he worked his butt off, apparently. And, I mean, Woodley's not a guy to sugarcoat stuff. Like, he was less than a glowing... Uh, about the Oilers' new acquisition and goal, Alex Stalock, that they picked up on waivers today. Oh, yeah. He had lots of kind things to say about Mike Smith and his ability to sort of keep vertical over his pads. He said, he gets into a lot of technical stuff, and he really does know his stuff. And about uh, uh, the dorsiflexion in his ankles, for instance. Uh, amazing. Anyway, but he like was talking Stalock? about his ability to, to, to be able to track the puck on his knees as opposed to falling forward as he moves. He said he used to go limbs first where he'd move his arm and then his body would follow and now he's head first where his head moves and the body follows and he says way more control. 
And he has, you know, and I mean, if Mike Smith is able to do stuff to change his game at age 38, my hat's off to him. And the question is now, will he be able to maintain that? And how much will his game come apart if he does start to slump? Because he's known to be pretty erratic. But it uh, sounds like his technique, like Woodley said, I mean, he looks like a real, <laughs> basically he looks like a normal NHL goalie with some of the skills that were previously identified as, as weaknesses. Excellent analysis by Kevin Woodley, and thanks oh, for guy, passing it on. Oh, that outstanding. He, he so, truly is. What What did he say about Staylock? Uh, he said he's great in the room. Uh, the teammates <laughs> love him. They play for him. He's a good puck handler. Uh, but he said his statistics, uh, which looked decent, right? Like he was 9-10 last year, 259 yeah. or something, 269, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. But he, play, he got them on a team that's really good at suppressing uh, yeah. Great chances for the other team, and that that was a team stat that, when you adjust for uh, the quality of shots, that he was actually near the bottom of the league. So I was a little surprised to hear that. And he said, "Don't just don't have too high expectations. He's an excellent number three goalie." But he said, even next year, and this is before he started talking about Mike Smith. So he said, even for next year. Mike Smith is a better bet than Alex Stalock, and I was really surprised to hear that. But then when he later went on to describe Mike Smith, uh, I could hear get a better idea of where he was coming from. And of course, Stalock's under contract for not just this year but next year, so he does solve the Oilers' goaltending. Uh, who do, you know how they can expose a player to Seattle, and some might say after night expose Koskinen and protect Stalock, but uh, doesn't Koskinen will... have a no move? Uh, he has a limited no I don't trade, think you can, so I don't think you can um, expose him. But can you, I, I, can you not expose Skinner or? Um... Uh, there was a way, but if you know Staylock, unless they somehow lose him on waivers again, they got him. I think they're going to keep him on the roster, and I do think yeah. they got him. So I think he'll be the guy that can be can be placed, uh, you know, made accessible to to uh, Seattle. Not that they're going to pick him, but just just. You know, he covers that off. With, and, um, yeah, with uh, Cuckoo hurt, mm-hmm. they now have, uh, they now have a spot. They don't have to protect, like, it's easier, because otherwise you had to protect all nine defensemen. Are you going to lose one of them in the waiver draft, right? Yeah, oh. you had to have all nine defensemen on your active roster, which is hard to do. And so, but now um, they don't have to do that. They have a spot that they can, they can, they can keep a goalie. I just wonder, Bruce, been... if they're going to trade a defenseman. You know, they, they have all of these... They have eight well, defensemen to eight. play. And, um, eight. What are you going to get for them? I mean, I guess if you can find a top six winger, you've got to think about it. But Yeah. Well, that's what I am thinking. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, they might want to keep them all because they're, they're going to lose probably a defenseman in the expansion draft. Right. And then so you're going to need, like if you lose one of Jones, Bear, or Lagos in the, in the expansion draft, it'll be good to have the other two essentially. Right. So. Um, that's, that might be their thinking as well, which, and that's probably is their thinking. So anyway, Alex Stalock's got about 150 NHL games. Like he's a legit number three Yeah, and, and he's under contract for next year. Well, he's still a legit number three that would likely go to Bakersfield, but be available if one of the goalies got hurt, which is what number three is all about this year. He's a, you know, would be a taxi squatter. I think like, he'll stay on the roster because, uh, Holland's twice burned trying to move a goalie down to the taxi squad, and he's probably going to be loath to try that again. So, I think he but, knows how important it is, too, as well, right? 
Yeah, well, it's, I mean, hopefully Smith and Cox can just stay healthy and we never see the guy. But the unfortunate thing was it was during that time of chaos at the number three position was the time that Smith was hurt. And, you know, if Anton Forsberg had been around, he probably would have played three games out of the 13, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe even four if he played well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Koskinen played 10 in a row and Skinner came in and, you know, got the win but got lit up and, you know, was sort of proof positive. Now we better stick with Koskinen until Smith is ready. So they did pay a price for not having that third goalie. And at the same time, the rationale for keeping those defensemen and not not waiving them uh, was proven out. So, you know, there's you can make an argument both ways. But uh, uh, now I think there's no argument but to keep Alex Daylock on the roster and and uh, you've got a plan C if you need one. And as we see from the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's absolutely crucial to have that plan C. So um, I'm glad the orders have solved that problem. That was a, a some that was fortuitous, maybe I don't, I don't know. Compared to the other goalies that have come off the waiver wire, Stalock does seem like he's got a lot more experience than some of them, than Forsberg or Comrie or Grossnick. You know, some of the other names who have been moving around. That doesn't mean he's a better goalie than they they are, but he he does have more NHL experience. He so, played 38 games last year, and basically Smith, I think Smith played 39 and Koskinen played 38, so it's basically the same. He played half of Minnesota's games, 20 wins, 11 losses, and four other losses. Uh, so, you know, pretty good results. And uh, so, you know, he's a legit NHL caliber goalie with that many games, and he's 33 years old, so he's, you know, right in the... Right in Ken Holland's wheelhouse of ancient goalies. <laughs> Sarah McClellan of the Star Tribune in, in Minneapolis reported that he, so he had COVID. Um, he had COVID earlier this year, Stalock, and he has also been injured. So he has uh-huh. he has yet to play um, for the team this year, and he's just working his way back into shape. So the two-week quarantine, actually, when he, I don't know if he can practice or not. You can, I, I would imagine... He could practice with a goalie coach, uh, you'd think, um, even as he, I don't know, maybe you can't. Right. Maybe quarantine is just sitting in your room. Um, well, that, and if that's the case, that'll set him back because he hasn't been playing. But um, so that's what he's been going through this year. So, um, yeah, I, there's I, I one, other, one other weird item on him that I just remembered. And I haven't had a chance. I just learned about this during the game tonight. Um, I sent you a, a DM. Uh, and that is a headline. Uh, Stalock reveals he developed heart condition after COVID-19 diagnosis. And this is a short story. It says Edmonton Oilers goaltender. So this is today. It's not like this is something that was out there. Edmonton Oilers goaltender Alex Stalock revealed to the Athletics Michael Russo Minnesota guy, that he was diagnosed with myocarditis after testing positive for COVID-19 in November. So that's trouble. So we'll see if that, I mean, scary on one level. We'll see if the, you know, I'm sure he'll have to pass the physical when he gets here and then uh, it may change things because that's a, that's a drag. That's an illness that has, you know, threatened the, you know, the permanent health of some athletes. And uh, it's been known, you know, it's been known to, to, uh, you know, 
cause. You know, I think myocarditis, that's the one that caused death in a couple of the basketball stars that just dropped. But uh, that's the one thing with COVID and heart that like there's uh, there's been some feedback of uh, of athletes getting COVID and then coming back with this myocarditis and he's one of them. So just something to watch for. Hopefully it's not serious. But yeah, I'm I'm wondering like if if there's a range of range of that disease where some of it's obviously right. fatal and others just it's mild and hopefully he's on the mild side he he does obviously have the, the long covid because he's mm-hmm. he, it's taken him a long time to get back and um that's why he hasn't been playing we'll, well see Bruce, if it's the solution to the problem or or just a different version of a problem but uh, hopefully i mean that's just something to he has been on the ice in Minnesota, so that's the good news. Like he, it's not like he's still in his bed, you know, convalescing. So, alrighty. Well, Bruce, let's leave it there. Hopefully, we'll have something a little bit more cheerful to talk about. Like a, we a just, goal <laughs> would be nice. Jeez. Indeed, indeed. Toronto shuts out the same opponent in back-to-back games, first time since 1954, before I was born. Before I was born, it's last time Toronto did this. Just back, back shutouts against the same opponent. You know, it would suck worse though if Toronto wasn't clearly the better team. If you ask me, like it's just like better team I, won. I, yeah, the yeah. better. Like I, I can accept that. I wasn't happy, obviously. <laughs> in the like, I hated watching this game and I hated the first period and yep. hated much of the game. But on the other hand, I have a lot of I, I have newfound respect for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I didn't think they were a great team based on the first four games I saw the Oilers played against them. But they're 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 a very very good team and they're going to be a huge challenge to get past in the Canadian division. So it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it adds to the season on a certain level. I mean, I mean, I wish the, the narrative was that the Oilers were that team, that the Oilers yeah. had developed into that team, but they're not. That's the fact. And Toronto is. So it's this, it's this mountain to climb for the Oilers this season. And there's enough time. Um, and the Oilers have enough talent, I believe. If they, if they utilize all that talent, um, to um, to get by this team, to get by the Leafs. I mean, the Oilers are going to add some players at the deadline, so are the Leafs probably. They're also going to add Holloway, you know, a really exciting player who's just absolutely crushing it in college hockey. I think they're going to add Holloway. So that's going to be a, a, a feature to their team, which could be significant. So it's going to be, can Dave Tippett bring along these young players? So far, Tippett has done, and I'm going to give him credit here, like he really has done a good job with his young players. Uh, hasn't blocked them and um so i just hope that's the case because i think if you can get if you can get better chemistry on the top two lines which i think has been missing all year better chemistry on those top two lines add in holloway get bouchard going this is a good team and uh it can beat the toronto maple leafs in the playoffs but it's it's going to be a a a big mountain to climb toronto's got some nice depth players so i mean you gotta you gotta i mean yeah you don't if you didn't know before this weekend, who is uh, uh, Pierre Engvall and and uh, Mikheyev and uh, uh, of course uh, Zach Hyman, just beauty, you know, grinder players, all those guys. It just didn't give anybody an inch in either game, and there always seems to be at least one of them out there on the ice getting getting in the way, right? So and uh, Spezza and Thornton, like these two veterans, are still playing really well. So down though, there, yeah. this is a good team. But I and their number three goalie is Dominic Hasek. I mean, there's that too, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And they, their, their number eighth goalie is the Boulin Wall. All right, Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks for talking yeah, tonight. Yeah. yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>